So 120,000 people moving on July 1st. So like you can imagine the musical chairs when there's like 120,000 people. And like, I bet you, I don't actually have the stats on this, but half of those are in Montreal. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends, grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We got a couple things on the agenda for you guys today. The first one is July 1st. Axel, what do you think of July 1st? July 1st is coming over. It's been traditionally known as the big moving day in Quebec. I never understood why, and I was hoping maybe you could tell us a little bit about the history and where does it come from? Yeah, so I was so intrigued by this that I did a little bit of research. And it turns out that basically like Quebec is the only place on the planet that I know of where everybody moves on the same day. So like there's some good parts to this. There's some bad parts to it. The bad parts of this is obviously the crazy. And the good part with like as a property manager, I kind of appreciate is the fact that our year works on a very systematized basis. So it means that you do all your increases at the same time, all your IV at the same time, everything is just like super streamlined on one year. So like, I'll be honest, like I kind of like that aspect of it. What I do not like is July 1st. The actual day. <laughs> the actual day. Yeah, the idea of, of crazy mayhem of starts crazy at 6 a.m. <laughs> but to get into a little bit of the history. So this tradition goes back to the time of the seigneurs when the seigneurs were not allowed to turn their tenant farmers out of the land before May 1st. Because I guess that would have resulted in, you know, starvation and the difficulty of moving in winter. And then in the 70s, the government harmonized that date with July 1st so that moving would not conflict with the school year. So that's the history of why all of Quebec moves in July. And so, and in terms of statistic, then, I mean, we say all of Quebec, but in terms of population, like roughly what percentage are we looking at? So I actually did this research in 2019. So in 2019, it was 4% of households. So 120,000 people moving on July 1st. So like you can imagine the musical chairs when there's like 120,000 people. And like, I bet you, I don't actually have the stats on this, but half of those are in Montreal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If not more. Oh yeah. (laughs) If not more. Yeah. Yeah. Enhance why it's impossible to get a moving truck or anything like that two weeks before and two weeks after. Yeah, so that's the little history lesson. I think, Axel, you have another little lesson that you want to share with us today. So what's your lesson of the week? So my lesson of the week is is quite important when it comes to real estate. I always say like it's a people business. Whatever we do, we're always interacting with people. And as much as we invest in brick and roofing, really, real estate is a people business. And my lesson of the week has been, I had a... A bit of a tricky, tricky experience with someone to uh, help me 
lease units. And I, whenever something like that happens, I always look inwards and say, what would I do differently? What mistakes did I make? And there's a few that I just wanted to point out because regardless of what who the professional is, I think it's applicable. And I'll share about three to four points. Just wait, Axel. Tell me, what's the story? Oh, what's what the happened? Like, okay, I what don't happened? Need the takeaway, but we need to hear the story. Well, the, the story is that we put three units to lease and it took a very long time. It took a very long time and it didn't really go as planned. And it ended up with a tricky situation where we ended up taking a tenant literally like today for tomorrow who happens to also be a Ukrainian refugee under the understanding that the unit would be furnished when it's not. So you can imagine enhance like that tricky conversation at 8.30 p.m. when uh, the door is open and um, so on and so forth. So after that, we put an end to that relationship. And I thought... Just wait, just wait. So tell me, how did this happen? So you end up with, from what my understanding is, you had an unfurnished unit which someone rented as a furnished unit. So how does that, I mean, how does that even happen? That's a really good question. How does that happen? So obviously I wasn't there during the visit. So it's kind of, he said, she said, the, the person in charge of leasing said he made it very clear to that person that it was not because there was two units, one on top of the other. There's a three and a half that's furnished, and then there's a four and a half below that is unfurnished. And the, the person who was interested in the, in the downstairs, so the four and a half, but wanted furnished. And then we were asked, hey, would you furnish this unit? And we said, no, it's not possible. And for us, it was case closed. And then a day later, when it went to come to sign the lease, the future tenant came in and all surprised that the unit wasn't furnished. So we started to have this conversation with him, and this is when it came to light. So there's, there's a few things and, you know, one of them, like, you know, communication in language uh, can sometimes be tricky. Um, one of them told me he assured the other one that it wouldn't be. And the other one told me he was assured that it would be. So, Hey, it is what it is. But all I know is that here we are at 9 PM with someone who's supposed to move in and what he thinks is a furnished unit and there is no furniture. So tricky. So, okay. So if we like zoom out from this particular unpleasant experience, like what we're trying to get at is the takeaway from hiring people and working with people. Yeah. So, and I know like we had a little conversation off camera before, like, what would you say was your takeaway from this? Like you had someone who you hired to do the job and like they did it, but created such a muddle that it actually could have ended up being very bad because I like, I don't, you know, and ask you what it says on the lease, but if the lease was a furnished lease, and you are renting an unfurnished place, you're liable, you're responsible for furnishing the place. So like, that's kind of a major problem. And so like, how do you, I mean, going forward from this, what different, what would you do differently in terms of who you work with? You're absolutely right. Very good question. What, what, what I said was, okay, there's a number of steps. One of them is that I should have made sure, I should have vetted the person more. It's like, okay, that person is interested in leasing the units, but how much experience do you have? How many have you done? Can you provide me some references of happy customers and I'll phone maybe one or two? That would be one of the first things. The second thing is also like clearly define the scope in writing. It's not just like, oh, this unit, this, this unit, this, and, and that. It's a lot more thorough in terms of writing it down per address, what's included and what's not. So there's no ambiguity. And, the, and that person has a document to refer to in terms of what is it that we 
required. So clarify the scope of work always, whether it's even a contractor, like how many times have you had a conversation about something that you thought was clear and it's not to them. So sounds to me like the always put it in writing. Always put it in writing. And then I should have made sure to establish more touch, regular touch points that are mandatory, regardless of where we're at in terms of the process. Like we're quite thorough about filling up the application. We use the Corpi platform. So the rental application, collect the $40 for the background check, do the background check, assess it. And then from there, make a decision whether it's a candidate that we'd like to move forward or not. And then send all the documentation, such as proof of ID, uh, proof of employment, if need be, and so on and so forth, instead of just, you know, sending some of the random information when the whole file isn't complete. So have more regular touch points. And I'm just going to pick an example, but we could have said every Tuesday and third and when and Friday at two o'clock, or have a bit of flexibility, we'll call each other and we'll see exactly where we're at on all the files. And if it's a three-minute phone call to say nothing new. That's cool. Nothing new. Perfect. Talk to you next time. So that, that would have been one of them. And the last one, which is kind of connected to, to the first two, is more. So put in writing more thoroughly exactly the process and the steps that are required, because I thought it had been made very clear in terms of you know the application, collecting the fee, the background check, and so on and so forth. And, and it wasn't. And you know, whenever a mistake like that happens, I always look at myself to say I'm partly responsible for this. What would I do differently? And that's a big advice to anyone investing in real estate. You need to deal with contractors, tenants, other suppliers of any kind. Make it clear what is it that you're talking about, what work needs to be done, and define the responsibilities. Here's the process. Here's what you're going to do. And here are the touch points. Yeah. So like, I agree with that, but I guess, you know, we had kind of a, an off camera conversation before where like, you know, you told me this story. I actually anecdotally like hired the same contractor and like a different set of unfortunate things happened. But the difference was that, you know, and I guess it's also like working with these kind of like entry-level people, like renting units is kind of an entry-level job. And like, basically from my experience, like that's batting 50%. And you can do as much, even with all the due diligence in the world, even with putting everything in writing, there's going to be a 50% chance that that relationship doesn't work out. And so the point of putting things in writing is that like, in that case, you're mitigating the damages, right? Yeah. Like, even if the person screws something up and like, that would be my other point is just like, keep them away from anything breakable, you know, in the sense that like, there's no way that an entry level person should be signing leases because it's too technical and you're legally responsible for fulfilling everything that's in there. So like, by all means, open doors, by all means, analyze files. But like, if you're looking to delegate that or you're looking to delegate actually any aspect of your business, like keep the breakable stuff until you're sure that the person can handle it. If ever really, I mean, like at this point, like I, you know, have various entry-level people doing specifically that job, but they are not allowed to sign the leases no. because they're not the ones who are going to eat the major, major problem if they make a mistake on those leases. And like, honestly, I would rather the mistake be at my own hand where I have to take the responsibility for something that I messed up as opposed to me having to play catch up over other people. So it doesn't mean not, don't delegate, it just means delegate wisely, delegate in writing with maximum clarity and keep them away from the breakable stuff. Yeah. And I'd be interested to know what is your, what is your take on when you hire someone like that, you, I was going to say, you assume that they're professionals, that they have the experience that they've, 
why especially, would you assume, like, especially why would you someone that? who's licensed <laughs> no why, i mean why would you assume that i don't know like and i guess it's, it's maybe also like the, the amount of time that i've spent like in, in property yeah. management is that like there's just the bar is like not super high and like i have the expectation and, and actually we talked about this off camera but like i just don't necessarily agree that you have to do way more due diligence i think like sometimes it's faster to almost let the person pr- sink or swim and just make sure that if they sink that they don't hold on to you on the way down Good point. Good point. <laughs> that if they sink, they don't hold you on don't, the way down. Don't let them grab yeah. onto your life jacket. Yeah. You, you just kind of like slowly step away and let them sink and you're on your own. Okay. Fair enough. Well, it's great that we have different perspectives on this. Clearly you have more experience when it comes to leasing. You've leased hundreds of units, uh, if not thousands by now over the, over the last couple of, well, Thousands, hundreds, yeah. hundreds, <laughs> hundreds. So yeah, you, you you must have seen the patterns and uh, and the people who hired who you've hired that have been the most successful at it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we're just about out of material. So you got anything else to add? Do some due diligence, but not too much, and you'll quickly figure out whether they're good or not. And you want to work with them. Keep them away from the life jacket. Yeah. <laughs> On this note, thank you very much for listening in. Please leave us a rating, send us some comments and some feedback. We try to respond to everything. And in the meantime, keep researching your market. I was going to say keep making some offers, but in today's market, maybe hold on a little bit. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.